Hello and welcome back to another episode of Binge List and Box Office Hits, the podcast about all things film, TV and streaming, with your host, Shannon Holiday, and me, Letitia Thomas. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Binge Lists and Box Office Hits, the podcast about all things film, TV and streaming. I'm your host, Shannon Holiday, and I'm joined back at the decks once again with Letitia Thomas. How are you doing today, Tish? I am, again, more tired than the last. It's been a weird, long, very long week. You've had a wild week. Tell me why. Been busy. Been out like every day since last, probably like Sunday. Yep. Well, actually, I don't think I had a day off. I was kind of always doing something. You had an event on nearly every day. and. Yeah. Let's be real. Your work schedule changed around massively this week. Oh, yeah. I did. Due to Black Friday deals. I did nights. Your nighttime Uh, work. So it made it very difficult to kind of keep a schedule like usual. Yeah. And then up at, well, working at quarter to eight yesterday. Mm, (laughs) It was a rough time. But, you know, it's fun. Tell us who you went and saw during the week. I saw Paramore. You did? The second time, which yes. is good because now I've seen them as many times as I missed them as a teenager. So yep. that feels It feels satisfying. even now. Yeah. Still disappointing, making but making it. up for it. Um, yep. Very jealous that I'm not one of these people that jet sets off and sees and them follows everywhere. follows them around. Yeah. Apparently Sydney was sick. It was like their biggest headlining show ever. Oh, really? Yeah, Domain. Did I hear you talking to someone during the week to say that they played different songs at the second show? They did. And oh. I'm, I'm so jealous because I really, really wanted to hear the one that we they also get. play. Yeah, yeah, I miss yeah. Thick Skull, and I'm like, oh, I really wanted to see that one. But see if there's any videos or something. I mean, I've seen them, but yeah, it, you just want to see know. everything, I'm right? Like, like, they're one of your favorite shows. bands, so you want to see all of it. Yeah, it was like one of the first ones I got into as a teenager. Yeah. So. No, I, I, I do like my Paramore as well. That would have been a very fun thing to go to. And um, for any film fans out there, we heard Decode from and Twilight that was Soundtrack. Sick. So I've done that one, and then um, I caught myself also heard last show. Yeah, cool. So, so you. You're seeing it all. Across all the Paramount Twilight. <laughs> You've got to get it all in line. Yep. <laughs> all in line. So, oh, busy week for you. That's fantastic. Big week. Watched a fair bit. Yes. Shall we get into what we've been watching to kick it off? Sure. You want me to go first? Yeah, you've got more than me. So, let's see what you've been watching so this week. So, I started off the week, or well, last, I don't know. I started off the week with The Quick and the Dead, mm-hmm. 1995, starring Sharon Stone, Gene Hackman, Russell Crowe, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Directed by Sam Raimi. Is that how you say it? Sam Raimi. Yeah. Raimi? Um, and written by Simon Moore. And I had so much fun with this mm. one. Um, a female gunfighter known as the Lady returns to a frontier town where a dueling tournament is being held, which she enters in an effort to avenge her father's death. Yeah. Spot on. Right. I thought like this will be like pretty good, mm. but I didn't realize just how genius. It's an easy film in the sense of like. Yeah. Plot wise. It's not complicated, but they hit every single beat perfectly. Yep. And it was so satisfying. I loved it. I've it's been a few years since I've seen it, but I do know the 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 plot, the beats, and all that. And the acting is phenomenal from Sharon Stone in this one. Gene Hackman, great, so good. Yeah, a young Leonardo DiCaprio and Russell Crowe is mm. pretty young in this as well. Apparently, uh, she paid Leo's wage. That's how he got in because they didn't want him. Dead set. It came out like last week or something. On oh, I sort really? of half looked at it. Yeah, ninety five. He wasn't doing too much of that. That was before Titanic. Yeah, he was pretty young. I think he'd just done Gilbert Grape. Yeah, yeah. and um. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, it would have been around that time. Absolutely. So he was just just kicking into the Hollywood scene. So, yeah, this movie was phenomenal. I didn't realise it was a Sam Raimi film. Yeah. From uh, the th- Evil Dead series and Spider-Man. I think Sharon Stone produced it because I kept seeing, like, yeah. I was looking into it and she wanted him for this. So That makes sense. Yeah, the style is really cool. And it's a Western that doesn't feel incredibly drenched in racism to the point you're uncomfortable watching it in yeah, 2023. The, the old school, yeah. Yeah, so if anyone, like, wants to watch one this is wait like start here there's a lot of action a lot of fun it's uh pretty brutal at times as well and yeah it's a good action film like enough of a typical action film emotional journey as well in there so it's it's a good one worth checking out hey yeah yeah i'll move into my first one because i only watched two movies this week well besides the um scott pilgrim the scott pilgrim main topic animation uh, I watched Natural Born Killers from 1994, starring Woody Harrelson, Juliette Lewis, Robbie Downey Jr., and Tommy Lee Jones, and Tom Sizemore. So you watched this one earlier, a couple of weeks ago, actually, I think. Yeah, uh, a and that of weeks. kind of spurred me into 
watching this because I think we're talking about Tarantino or something. And he he wrote the story for this. He didn't write the screenplay. He wrote the story, kind of put it together. Uh, you obviously spoke about the plot in that in the other week. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The editing of this film is an absolute trip, right? Yeah, like it's, it's so much. It's a lot. It's very different from anything else I've ever seen. The style is so peculiar. Uh, is the best way to put it. But I really liked it, like suited that film. Um, obviously the scenes where it's got like hyper-violence is in black and white. The, the shots are like, they're shot in a way where it's like kind of tilted for certain characters and I'm guessing that they're portraying their like particular mental state and, and that kind of thing. The use of green in that middle part of the movie when they're in the drugstore is like really iconic as well. Um, it's a good film. It kind of showcases what like, you know, serial killers and how we kind of glorify them in the media and that's really portrayed through the character of Robert Downey Jr. who plays like like a special kind of news kind of bulletin every week. He kind of showcases those kind of things. Robert Downey Jr. puts on a really Aussie accent. Told you it's bad, hey. It's not great, but also it just reminded me straight away of Tropic Thunder because he does the exact yeah. same thing in Tropic Thunder, but obviously Tropic Thunder is like a parody like movie. It's a comedy, so it's done on purpose, whereas this is – uh, like thriller drama, so it was like supposed to be real. And yeah, I'm, there's no reason for him to be Aussie as well. I don't know why it was included. So the reason he was Aussie, and I think I mentioned a couple of weeks Is back. He, oh, I think he followed he around some, he an Australian yeah. reporter that did the, the same, same kind of thing, yeah. and then he just you know turned back up from Australia with his accent, and they rolled with it, which they should have just been like, no might, sir. They probably shouldn't have. Um, Tommy Lee Jones in this, who plays the prison warden. He reminded me so much of his portrayal of Two-Face out of Batman Forever because this came out the same year and it was just the exact same portrayal. Like he was so uh, – what's the word when it's like really – Caricature? Yeah, very much so. It was like not a real person. It was – yeah, it was mm-hmm. basically Two-Face without the makeup on. And it, was, it was very peculiar in terms of acting style. But everyone else was great. Like it was – it's a crazy movie. Like – I love where it, how how it showcases their backstories as if it's like a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Um, it showcases like Juliet Lewis's um, upbringing, like her father and what he's like to her when she's younger. Introduced to um, Woody Harrelson's character throughout that and how it's showcased. Yeah, like a sitcom. It's got laugh track and stuff when things are very much not supposed to be laughed no. at. Like it's very serious adult themes and it's chucked in there as well. It's bizarre. It's a bizarre film. I really liked it though. At the same time, I I thought it was awesome. Yeah, really good. And it's crazy to see Woody Harrelson <laughs> just completely unhinged when you see things that he's also in, like The Hunger Games or like Cheers and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, crazy, really good movie. Really good movie. Definitely recommend. I saw that one on Disney Plus. Yeah, that's how I watched that one too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my next one, I went to the movies on Monday and I watched Scary Girl. Uh, it's a 2023 film starring Anna Torv, Sam Neill, Liv Hewson, Remy High, Tim Minchin, Mark Cole-Smith, Rob Collins, Deborah Melman, Gillian Newen, Dylan Alcott and Kate Murphy. Um, directed by Ricard Crusoe and Tanya, Tanya Vincent and it's written by Craig Behenna, Matt Everett and Nathan um, Dravakis, who's the guy that did the, the original graphic novel. Graphic so it was novel, sort of yeah. a graphic novel, a flash game went to like PlayStation, Xbox, whatever in 2012. Yeah. And um, now it's a film done by a Brisbane studio. I'm sort of friends with a lot of the people mm. at the studio. So I was like, I need to come and see it. I need to support them. Yeah. Same guys that did Combat Wombat that we yeah, watched I realized a couple it was weeks that, ago. Um, yeah, I unfortunately didn't have time to come along with you for this one. I would have. Um, I did say it was by them. I didn't realize it was based on a game though. So I looked that up just before we started and I was like, oh, it's a side-scrolling little action game. Yeah, That's fantastic. It's cool. So the story for this one, um, where am I? Um, it follows Aki, a young girl who must travel to a mysterious city of light to save her father from a dangerous scientist and prevent the destruction of her planet. So it's sort of a very simple kids yeah. like, you know, plot, but it is so gorgeous. The animation, it's like insane how yeah. well it's done, how like, pretty it is as well because they like all the lighting that they do in the animation which is like a weird thing to describe if you don't you got unaware of it um but having been in a studio a little bit like there's a couple things that i've sort of picked up on and it was fun it was so much fun i thought the same thing when we went and saw combat wombat 2 and obviously watching the first one as well the animation is beautiful someone needs to support this in like this studio because they're doing Oh, in my opinion, God's work in terms of animation. Okay, if you've seen Combat Wombat 2, yeah. when you see this, you'll be blown it's next away. Level. It is 
insane. Okay, I'll check the animation it out. that they did. I have abilities to watch it. So and the cast is amazing. They apparently because I was talking to uh, one of the guys that produced it a couple of weeks back, a friend of mine, and he's like, "Yeah, we just kept calling people, and they just kept saying yes, and we You're were like, just blown oh, away. We got heaps of other people. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's so cool. So that was my one. If I don't know if it's still on in theaters now, it might have finished its run, I don't but think it is. Um, if you've got, especially if you've got kids. Um, and you want to watch some Australian stuff with them, not so much overbluey a little bit, um, <laughs> go and find this one. It should be coming out on DVD, I presume. Yeah, it will. Um, the other ones have. It's so, really yeah. cool. Interesting. Okay, well, I'll talk about my final film for this week. I watched The Royal Hotel from 2023. This was actually one of the Biff films. Um, I managed to get a copy of it. And it's starring Julia Gardner, Jessica Henwick, Hugo Weaving, and Daniel Henshaw. Basically, it's about uh, these two backpackers. They're running out of money while backpacking in a tiny male-dominated town in the Australian outback. So they go off and work in the hotel. Um, when they arrive, the locals' behaviour starts crossing the line. It's a very, you know, obviously it's a mining town. Uh-huh. And the girls find themselves trapped in an unnerving situation that grows rapidly out of their control. It is definitely a thriller. It is definitely one of those movies where it's like like gender power, misogyny, sexism, racism, all chucked in one. Yeah, it was and outback, so it makes sense. Yeah, it's like his absolute backwater town in the middle of God knows anywhere. And, yeah, they're, they're obviously backpacking. They're trying to earn more money. They get chucked out there. And instantly, straight away, one of them's like, I don't, I want out. I want out. And the other one's like, oh, let's just see how it goes. No, and get out. Always get out. Yeah, the, Jessica Henwick's character is like the worst friend in the world because the other, like Julia Garner's like, picks up straight away that it's like this is not the right yeah <laughs> we, we should there's no support network here for us whatsoever they're called like fresh meat as they come in as well so this one is actually based on a documentary movie from 2016 called hotel cool Gardi. same thing so two finnish backpackers they were robbed in bali so they lost all their money came over here to work same thing they get put into a rural hotel completely off grid and the documentary is basically about them working in the hotel like in the the outback motel and it just follows the same kind of things like the the really strong misogyny like the power play between male and female and yeah some really awful things happen in that documentary i really want to watch it so it's it, that one's on amazon prime i'm gonna watch that really soon and um the person who made this film i think it's kitty green the director she wrote this as well obviously based it on that um documentary um, she's been making a lot of films where it is about power play. So her and Julia Garner were in a movie together previously called The Assistant. And it's a movie, same thing. It's about this um, assistant to like top CEO of like a, a movie studio kind of exec. Same thing, power dynamics, what like males can get away with without like unchecked like, you know, entitlement and stuff. Same thing. It's like I'm really unnerving and the same thing happens in the Royal Hotel. So these little like microaggressions play out, but they really build towards something towards the end. The whole time I was watching this film, I felt so uncomfortable watching this. And I don't know, I just, it's a great film, don't get me wrong, but like it's not a comfortable film. It's, you're not going to get a real satisfaction out of it watching it as well, because you know like nothing's going to change. It's so systematically built in, institutionalized to these old, backwards towns that like these men are just basically 13 year olds that never grew up it's got like toxic masculinity it's like top level super amounts of like alcoholism like they're all just drink to excess yeah what else is there to do what else is there to do and um i read a review about it like because i was looking it up and stuff and nothing horrific happens to these women it's just like it culminates in a in a pretty bad way but nothing like bad but one review was like I don't know if, like, what's worse is, like, nothing kind of occurs at the end, like, no no real, like, satisfactory outcome or you were expecting something worse to happen. Now, like, that that sat with me a little bit. It's like, yeah, yeah you're right, actually. Why did I expect something worse to happen? Like, because exactly you know right? Yeah, it's probably going to happen or yeah, has happened like, these to people. people are <laughs> capable of doing much worse than probably what is shown throughout this film. Um, but I guess that's the point because when you are those girls in that situation, yeah. you are expecting the worst because – yeah. Yeah, that's society. Yeah. They just yeah, the 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 character of Julia Gardner's character just she just knows she's unsafe the entire time even sleeping. There's one particular scene where they're drinking with a particular male 
They kick him out of the room. Like, they kind of make friends with him. He's still kind of a dick. They kick him out of the room, and um, the other friends pass out on the couch because they've been drinking as well. And they hear, like, something on the stairs. She walks out of the room. She's like, whatever his name is, like, I told you to leave, thinking it's still the same guy. It's another one of the guys that have broken into the hotel and he's drunk just staring at her down the hallway and she just sees him, just closes the door, locks it and Jimmy's like a, a chair under the door and you see him walk up to the door just to see the feet under there and he tries to open the door. And then like obviously he doesn't get in, but it's just like so eerie and how like unsafe they are, even in the place where they're supposed to be sleeping. Yeah, the dread. It's so unnerving i really want to watch this and then film. the next day he's just at the bar staring at them again the yeah. same guy that was trashed and trying to get in there yeah because there's no there's no policing no. in this thing the guy who runs the bar is played by hugo weaving hugo weaving is a phenomenal actor he's so good and he plays like this just absolutely drunk like hotel owner he doesn't really look after him at all he's just like you're supposed to do it like this like he's a real like, no like this do it quicker make sure he gets a beer the first one's on the house for him you know Show a smile every now and then, like that kind of thing. Like yeah. no one's supporting him, supporting these two girls. Um, yeah, it's wild. I it's pretty quick. It's only an hour and a half movie. Gets to the punch pretty quickly. Worth checking out. I will wait until this is on streaming yeah. or it's on DVD, and I'm going to pick this one up because yeah. I it's a good Australian film. Really wanted to see it. Yeah, it's just unnerving, but really, really well done to showcase those kind of themes. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, so I finished off Only Murders in the Building this week. I need a couple episodes left. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fine. I think it's definitely lost its spark. Yeah, from the first season. Not that it's bad. Yeah. But it just, the concept was tighter in the first season yeah. and now there's less to discover about each of the three of them. Um, how many murders are they going to be that they're solving? <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's a crisis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just sort of gets to that point. Stop creating a story just for the story's sake. Yeah, and yeah. so there's season, they're going to season four with a cliffhanger, of course. Look, I'll probably watch it because it's an easy watch. But yeah, like you'll not, continue the journey, but you're not like loving it like you started. No, it's not as good. So that's kind of where I'll wrap up with that one. Yeah, okay. Um, then I watched, surprisingly I got through it. I don't know how I watched the whole lot. I've watched this. Um, I watched <laughs> Class of 07. Um, it's a 2023 yeah. show starring Emily Browning, Megan Smart, Caitlin Stacey, Claire Lovering, Emma Horn, and it's created by Casey Anning. Um, when an apocalyptic tidal wave hits during the 10-year reunion of an all-girls high school, a group of women must find a way to survive on the island peak of their high school campus. This is like, it's... I understand the concept. Mm-hmm. I understand why they wanted to create this story because it, it, there is a story there to tell, especially yeah. with these like people coming back from like you know unresolved like issues High school from stuff. like yeah. um, teenage uh, issues. But it's so poorly done, isn't it? It's like there's it's some so bits that weird. are good, and then some yeah. bits that are not good because the tone is almost a satire because yeah. it doesn't take itself seriously at all. Not in one, no, yeah, not in a single way. Um, but then there's moments where it starts to talk about something real and you're like, oh, yeah, like I'm, I'm in this. But then it makes fun of it straight like the next it, episode and you're like, oh, God. Then they're God. like, yeah, doing something mental. Yeah. I didn't mind it. They're like, obviously it was left so there could be a season two. There's not yeah, going yeah, there's to be a season be. two. It was fine. Um, yeah, I usually like Emily Browning and Megan Smart was really good in this, I thought, too. Caitlin Stacey was weirdly used, I thought. Yeah, it was a weird – I like, I think – I think the tone was wrong. I think they mm. should have gone either complete comedy drama. or complete I drama. Think complete drama. Drama would have worked better. Yeah, I think so. Because her storyline was like very yeah. good. Like I was watching it, and it's sort of her story is like she was. But that's the what I meant. Bitch like in school. She had such a dark storyline that you yeah. really could have utilized, but they just didn't go down that path. No, because she's like the bitch in school, and then she's come back ten years later, and she's like, I don't want to be that person anymore. She's yeah. sort of grown up a bit, which often happens. But then you find out she had a secret relationship with. The teacher, teacher, which happens time and time again. I mean, my high school is full of those stories um, publicly, actually. But, (laughs) But yeah, like they didn't double down on- They didn't double down on The effects on what this had on this And that could have been a really good story to go down. Um, And I was like watching it and I was like, oh, man, that's right. Like, And there's a bit where it's like the teacher didn't do enough to stop it. And I was like, man, yeah, my high school teachers didn't do enough to stop it. They knew it, but they didn't do anything. Um, Yeah, this one was a weird one. Um, If you want something silly, though, that's Australian and you just want to pop it on, like it. I mean, I I finished it. I got through it. It's like 10 episodes, I think, or something like that. They're half an hour hour each. It's pretty easy to kind of pump through. It's not unwatchable. I'll say that much. Yeah, exactly. It it was interesting enough to chuck on. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and then I sort of went on to another Australian one last night and I watched the first episode of Deadlock 2023 again, starring Kate Box, Madeline Sami, Alicia Gardner, Nina Amara, and Tom Ballard. The description's a feminist noir comedy set against a bucolic backdrop with a rising body count. Basically, it's created by Kate McCartney and Kate McLennan, who are known for the the catering show and Get Kraken. I've heard of Get um, Kraken. Yeah. yeah, they're like these Australian ones. And Kate Box is a detective in Tasmania. Yeah. And someone rocks up dead and she's not really a detective anymore. Um, she's decided that she's going to settle down and just not do that work because I think it's probably because it's dangerous and her like wife, girlfriend, I think they're like wives, is like no more. <laughs> We're just going to like, you know, join the choir and do this and do that. So she's like, yeah, whatever. Um, but someone turns up dead and she has to act as the detective for a minute until this cop from out of town can come in um, who's played by Madeline Sami, who's amazing. She's a Kiwi, but she plays. Right, okay, yeah. Um, a detective from Darwin mm-hmm. who just takes none of it seriously, very like, you know, just drinking, whatever, the boyfriend did it. Yeah, just doesn't F look off, into it. Like, just whatever. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's sort of like the premise. But then sort of someone else turns up dead and they realise that something bigger is going on. So she's stuck there and I haven't got far into it, but I have a feeling it's going to be very good because it's like there's a couple of the characters that are sort of a bit far out in yeah, there, okay. like, you know bit too comedic whatever but then the rest of it is sort of quite, quite grounded. grounded yeah and it's just like what if you were living in a very small town where the characters or the people living in that town are characters themselves because it's just like you know jimmy whose brother's this one and they just drink all the time and, yeah okay you know just yeah. it's oh that's just jimmy jimmy stop stealing shit like that kind of it sounds like um last stop larimer yeah it's those it's sort very of characters kind of like they're all characters it's like yeah but like for that one it's like who did, someone's dead but like if, what if you're a it? washed up detective who exactly. isn't supposed to be a detective who now has to be a detective to look into it to look into yeah. all these people and they're all just in this small town but it's also like this town used to just be small and tiny and then the new mayor came in and now yeah. there's an arts festival. So there's a bit <laughs> of like, there's two sort of sides of it because there's like the old people that are just like, oh, whatever, like farmer types. Yeah, yeah. And then you've got like the new this budding art scene type. The yuppie so, types. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, oh, that'd be good to play off against, I think. I'm keen to keep watching it. I think the first episode, it's like, oh, is this going to work? Is it on ABC Plus? No, it's on Amazon. Is it? Okay. Mm. Yeah, okay. Um, so I'm going to... Gonna keep watching this one because yeah. I think there's gonna be some comedy gold in it. It sounds like it already. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's my week. That's your week. That's all our week because I didn't get to too much else. Uh, that means it's time to get into trivia, which is becoming excessively hard to come up with questions. You guys have no idea what we go through before to, just this. to find something we haven't asked or isn't like wildly obvious. Um, wildly obvious or too far the other way, where it's like so obscure, no one on earth would get it. Yeah. I think I think we've done okay. Well, I think I have for you. So okay. I'm going <laughs> to... We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'll ask the first question and we'll see how we go. Who played the Green Goblin in 2002's box office smash Spider-Man? Is it Willem Dafoe? Yes, it is. It is Willem I knew Dafoe. he was in one of them. Uh, it is him, but he's also in the new one, which is No Way Home. I... Can't I don't much over the he original. Plays the same character. I definitely saw yeah. it when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, they're um, the same Raimi ones. But yeah. like I don't recall any of it because I was probably like seven or eight, and I never went well, back. It's two thousand and two when it came out. Yeah, well, I was younger when it came out. Yeah, I was five. Oh god, yeah, yeah. you wouldn't have been watching this then, so you would have caught it later. Yeah, William Defoe. I think it's one of his. Yeah, pretty good you villain can say roles. His best roles. I was not going to say his best roles. Oh. He's been in countless other stuff. Steve Zissou. <laughs> He's so good so at good. that. He's in countless things, so I wouldn't have said that, but he's a very good villain in this. Alrighty, which 2000s movie was the one to bring Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie together? Uh, this was Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yes. I oh, This film. I had an illegal copy of it. Was someone, it the X-rated version? Yes, it Ooh, was. I haven't someone, seen that one. Someone hired out the film from our local video store because there was still the time when video stores was around around that time. And someone had one of the, like those special computers, like those desktops. And we, oh, we have a we have a writer CD drive. So I was like, oh yeah, okay. Can you start like making movies for me? So I we got them to hire out a bunch of films, and they just wrote it, copied the movie. So I had like a folder full of these burnt movies, and it was around that time. So I had Mr. and Mrs. Smith <laughs> as one of them <laughs> on this like disc at home. And yeah, I've seen it. It's fine. It's strange. Yeah, I think it's a remake. It. 
Yeah, I watched it as a teenager with my mum and I was like, I, this is almost uncomfortable. It was Thank a little God bit. Thank God it wasn't the X-rated version. I can see why they got together because it was so obvious they were like, uh, there was some off-screen chemistry happening because it was pretty full-on, uh, even for like an M-rated kind of run-of-the-mill action film. Uh, wild, wild times. Very. They wouldn't make that film now. No. No, it's very weird. Uh, yeah, the, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. <laughs> Your next one. Okay. All righty. The head of what kind of animal is front and center in the infamous scene of The Godfather? It's a horse. It is a horse's head. It is. We had this at work a couple of weeks back. Did you, that question? I didn't get it, didn't answer it, but well, someone you know, else did. You know it now. Yeah. I have seen it. You have but seen The Godfather? You've only seen one, right? Only seen one. Yeah, okay. I'll get to two and three at some point. Yeah, they're, they're very long, intense films. You've got to definitely it's dissect them. Yeah. Uh, I do remember that scene quite well. He just opens the bed up and there's the horse's head. It's his prized horse and he's screaming. It's wild. Not ideal. No, no, no. Alrighty. So this 2005 sci-fi adventure movie sees a pair of brothers finding themselves in space while playing a board game. What is the movie? Is it Zarutha? You're very close. I'll give it to you. It's Zathura. Zathura. Yeah, I can never pronounce it. Uh, It's like a spiritual successor to Jumanji. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's got um, it's got Josh Hutchinson. Josh Hutchinson in it. Yeah. Yeah, Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh yeah, he is known for that now. Well, I would have said Hunger Games. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> it's, it's in Hunger Games. <laughs> Bridge Terabithia. Peter Malak. Yeah, he was big in my childhood. Yeah, he's been. Oh, he was in Massive. Journey to the Center of the Earth yeah, as well. Yeah, he yeah. did a bunch of teen films. He was didn't like, he? The, he was like kid the kid as I was the, growing up. Yeah, he was. Yeah. yeah, that's right, and that's where he kind of stuck. He's very young in that. Yes, in Z- very young. Zarutha. Zathura. Zathura. But he was like the the middle child because yeah. it was him, his little brother, and then Kristen Stewart as his sister, who was frozen for most of it. Isn't her husband in it as well. Whose husband? Not Christian Stewart. Um, I was like, she doesn't have a husband. Christian Bell. My mistake. Dax? I yeah, think Dax, Dax is. Dax, yeah, he's Dax like Shepard the older yeah. version of. One of them? Yeah. I need to see this film. I'm like, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> How have you remembered all of it just then? I I don't know. I think I watched it on TV once and I enjoyed it. Yeah, okay. Also, well, it's, I like Jumanji. So I don't much. remember much else about it. So that's it's kind of a space version of it. So I'll, yeah. I'll check it out. Your last, your last question. Okay. What was the top grossing movie of 2014? Now, I have multiple choice. Okay, thank you. Do you want the multiple choice? Yeah. Okay. A, The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1. Uh-huh. B, The Lego Movie. C, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Or D, Guardians of the Galaxy. Dear Lord. Mm, this is a hard one. one. right? Yeah, I know. Top grossing movie. I'm gonna throw something out. Could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Lego. No, it's okay. not Lego. I was just like, maybe, maybe that's. It would have been one. bloody close, though. I reckon. I was thinking. Like, I think kids. all those. Four Everyone watched been, them. It was Guardians of the Galaxy. Huh. Top grossing. That actually no, because that one was starting to take off. Because that's blew when up. That's when the you know MCU superheroes were really becoming a thing. Massive. The soundtrack was like. And you didn't have to have seen other ones. Exactly right. It was its own. It was fresh. I think it was around the, just after the Avengers, one of the ones just after the first Avengers. So it was popping. Superheroes were popping. I think I saw everyone but the Lego movie in cinemas that year. Yeah. I was in grade 12. 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good mo- Good year. Good year for movies. Good year for cinema. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. Wild. Yeah, I thought it was a good trick question. Yeah, I was like, like it, was it a hard could one. be it any It could be them. all th- four of them. And, and I thought people go to kids' movies a lot. So they do. Maybe. I mean, Lego movie did. The second one wasn't as good. I don't remember much of the Lego movie. Exactly. Well, well, the first one? Yeah. I remember the song from it. Craglin? What is it? Um, Everything is awesome. awesome. Tegan and Sarah. Is it? Mm-hmm. Ah. But they made a bank on that one. Of course they did. It was everywhere. The whole film was just yeah, that song basically just played out. Yep. Um, Chris Pratt played the main character. Uh-huh. That's when he was the, still- The builder. Still cool. He's done a bunch. Now thinking about it, he's done a bunch of like um, voice acting roles. Mm-hmm. You don't realize that. I mean, he's obviously done that. He's done Mario, Super Mario. He's doing Garfield. He's Garfield. He is Garfield in the new one. Yeah, he, he gets used a lot. Who was Garfield in the one I saw as a kid? I can't remember. What was that voice? Was there a first animation movie? I know it was like live action. Uh, what was that CGI kind of stuff yeah. with real people? Who was in? I'm gonna look it up. Okay, that's fine. I don't think I've seen that Garfield. I don't think I've seen any Garfield besides a comic book strip. <laughs> oh, I can't find it. We'll look at it later. That's fine. We'll find out later. All right, your last one. Yeah. What class did Edward and Bella have together in Twilight? 
Uh, Think about it. Biology. That was biology. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Were they dissecting things? Yeah, because there was blood and stuff. Yeah, looking in the mic and yeah, that's right. The really awkward microscope. Yeah, that yeah. I'll halfway there. (laughs) Not not a microphone. I'm holding one. Yeah, and he does that thing where he like looks at her really weirdly, yeah, but like when you actually read the book, you actually get more of an understanding of that scene. He's like, no, yeah. I don't understand what she's thinking. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the angst in those films. Oh, we need Unmatched. to do when we come back after our, in our season two, we're doing a Twilight week. We have to do a Twilight. We have week. to. I wasn't even big into it for very long, but <sighs> somehow it still defined me. It's still, it's still big. It's still huge. People still talk about Twilight. Yeah, because nothing else has come close. Not really. Not for that kind of stuff, like fandom since. Like Harry Potter was before that. Yeah. Nothing really since. It's crazy. Probably because, you know, so much of that is so wild now where it's like, it's too PC to do Twilight. Yeah, you couldn't really do that again. It's weird. The first movie was iconic. I love the first movie. The other ones, yeah. The other day we were in the car and what, what song came on? Um, and I was like, this is from Twilight, isn't it? And then I looked it up yeah, and it's no, the baseball it was, scene. it was Muse. That's it was, right. Was it Supermassive Black Hole? Yeah, and I was like, oh, this oh. is Muse? And then you're like, yeah, of course it is. Yeah, and I'm like, I know this, it's from like, a movie. And I was <laughs> like, oh, it's the baseball scene. It's the baseball scene in Twilight. I'm like, I'm unfortunately that's how you know Muse, but okay. I mean, like I'd probably heard it since. Somewhere else, yeah. My little, you know, 12, 13-year-old brain, brain went. Just went, yes, Twilight. Yes, Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, further ado, it's time to get into our news segment. Do you want me to go first? Uh, do you want to talk about Venom instead? I'll go first. That's a good idea, actually. Go for it. The Scream franchise is pivoting after losing two of their leads. Earlier in the week, Melissa Barrera was dropped by Spyglass, the producing company, after a series of posts to social media supporting Palestine. A day later, co-star Jenna Ortega dropped out due to a Wednesday season two shooting schedule. After Barrera's firing, Landon, who's the director, took to Twitter and stated, everything sucks, stop yelling, this wasn't my decision to make. That's since been deleted off Twitter, probably. for. I reckon he got asked to. I think he got asked to. Um, yeah. So I don't know what Scream's going to do. To me, Scream 7 is dead in the water. Uh-huh. Uh, we, were, we were discussing this before we recorded a little bit about what Scream 7 could potentially look like without, obviously, Melissa and... Um, Ortega. It's a disappointing thing because this last one really yeah. cemented it. Like, this is going to be sick. They've yeah. really found where they're going they with this. They found their groove in Six. Six is a great Scream film. Yeah. It's really refreshing to watch that one. And obviously at the end of that, they've kind of come together. Like, they're the leads. Like, the two girls are the leads of this franchise now. Yeah. And to hear that they've both been dropped. Well, one's been dropped, one left because of Wednesday. Well, that's what they've said. Uh, it's kind of disappointing. So unless they kind of bring, like I, I, my idea was potentially bringing Neve Campbell back uh, when, and obviously using Courtney Cox and just really doubling down on them as the originals. Yeah. And somehow doing an original storyline in Seven. I don't know what kind of they can do with Seven without these two. I don't know what they're going to do. I think they're already losing money because obviously they have to rewrite the story. Yeah, 100%. Which is going to, you know, it takes a bit. It's hard to pivot when you had such a strong point to start from yeah and especially because this revival from scream five six it's taken this direction this is a part of it mm-hmm. it's it's like right it's like coming up to like fast and furious 11 and being like oh sorry dom's not in it yeah he uh he got dropped and then going oh we can write something yeah, about yeah, family dom's dropped and letty's out too like, yeah, what, are you like what are you gonna do like it unfortunately they've made the movie series about these two characters centralized yeah, and, and I think it's it's disappointing the reason why uh, they were dropped. Yeah. Unfortunately, I don't want to get too wildly into a political no. standpoint on this podcast, but I agree with you entirely. Yeah, like look into it if you want to look into yeah. it yourself. Um, Obviously, like the media is saying that it was because there was like anti-Semitic yeah. stuff. I don't think that's necessarily correct. Again, yeah. I haven't seen all of it, so go look into it yourself and form yeah. your own opinion. Yeah. Do some background um, stuff on what maybe Melissa Barrera said. You can probably um, assume our position in it without us getting too heavy. Yeah. I just think, look, probably the best thing for this is shelve this for a year. Yep. Have have talks with both those lead actors again. Discuss what they can come to in as agreement and get them back on board. That's the only way Scream 7, in my opinion, will probably be as successful as they need it to be to continue a franchise in the Scream series. Because yeah. if they release a half-assed Scream 7... That's the end of the franchise. And That's I mean, done. if I was Melissa and they came crawling back to me, I'd probably be like, yeah, you can like. 
jog on. You can jog on. <laughs> you can jog on. Um, and I think also Ortega's posted stuff supporting Palestine in the past as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, who knows? It's a whole thing. A We're whole not going to get into that side of things right here, right now. Um, if you want to chat to us about it, though, personally, yeah, go ha- ahead. Off air, happy to but, talk. But yeah. yeah. We're not going to get too deep into it no. so today. That's, but that's that, that one. Scream. Okay, next bit of news. Tom Hardy took to Instagram to alert fans that Venom 3 has resumed production after a long wait due to the SAG after a strike. So it gives me time to watch Venom 1 and 2. I've not watched them. Have you not seen them? No. I, I really enjoyed the first one. I thought the first one was really good. Really, really well done as a complete spin-off in the Sony universe of the superhero stuff because it's not in the MCU. Although it kind of is now with one kind of like after credit scene at the end of Spider-Man. Look, don't look into that. But it's a separate universe. The first one was really well done. It's a really different take on Venom as well because you've got to see him as like an anti-hero, whereas Venom's, Venom's generally a villain. He's a villain. So you've got to see him in a different light in this one. The second one, I only got about half an hour into it I and I didn't love it. I usually don't turn off a movie, but I... I was not even invested enough to finish it. I will go back to it and probably complete the film another time. This one had Carnage in it, which is another form of the symbiote. Um, It had Woody Harrelson in it playing that role. But yet again, caricature, not a real person in any way. Just super hammed up, villainess kind of take on it. That's a bummer. Yeah, didn't love it. So, But I'll I'll continue on because I'll probably see three. Yeah. Yeah. You'll probably see three. I'll probably see three. three. I'll probably see three. So that brings us on to our next bit of news where we're very, very into our Australian stuff this week. We it's are, nice. Aren't we? It's really good. Um, NCIS Supporting. Sydney is off to a fantastic start, accumulating almost 10 million views across Australia, Canada, and the US within the first six days of release. So this is now put on the same level as NCIS Hawaii that got similar numbers. I am really excited to finally watch this. I haven't got it yet because I don't really have Paramount. There's not a lot that I usually watch. So I'm going to wait till a bit of it's out and then I'll. I think I'm in the same boat as you. I think I'll wait till most of it's out or it's halfway through or something and then buy a month of Paramount and get through it. I'm actually really interested to see this. It's a good, like you said, it's a good mix of Australian casting and American casting, just not to alienate the full audience and the feeling of an NCIS show. I'm excited for this because I worked with one of the Australian stars, Tully, is in this, and I worked on a show with her years ago for the ABC. It was like her first like on screen. Yeah. She's done drama stuff on stage, like very good stuff, but it was yeah. her first stuff on screen. And now she's doing all this like really cool shit and I'm excited to see it. It's a weird world when I was working on this other show, basically she was eating in the scene, she was eating salty plums and she had to spit them yeah, out. Yeah. And my job was to, was to run plums. in, <laughs> take the stuff out of her hand slash stuff she's spitting into a tissue and she's like i'm so sorry i would run out the back switch out the cups and clean it all up and then bring them back out and do another another take take. yeah and it was just that for a whole day (laughs) and it was very weird that would have been strange but like this is showbiz baby (laughs) and she's there with like leah purcell who's like royalty in the industry and i'd seen her and all this stuff and i was just so scared that day I was, By the end I'm of sure, it, I, got, I was about okay. to say, you'd get over that after a little while. Initially, understand When I didn't know what I was doing and it's like, yeah. oh, go hand Leah Purcell like a prop. <laughs> and you're like. <laughs> drops it in front of her. <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to even be here. Can I look at you? Yeah, Can no, I look literally. At you? Like I just seen her in Wentworth when she's like badass. Oh, yeah. And you're just like, you are Australian royalty and, and I don't know what I'm doing. And That's you're wild. producing this also. Yeah, so it's your baby. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been terrifying. It was crazy. And she's insane too. She just sat there like working on, which I think was the drover's wife at the time, but there was oh, not a minute okay. yeah, yeah. where she was like pretty not much working. not working. Um, unless good she was to see like that level of initiative off stage, like, you know, and then in between going on and off yeah. and she's so funny, like making all these jokes, which yeah, I yeah. probably can't say on here cause it'll come off weird. Um, <laughs> Tell me after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it just, the, if I don't have the whole context, it'll yeah, sound yeah. weird, but yeah, she's making all these jokes and just hanging out with the cast. It was fun. Yeah. But yeah, I want to watch NCIS Sydney. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to, I'm going to get into it uh, a bit down the track, probably after Christmas. Once we have some spare time. All right. And that gives us time to get into our main topic of today, which is Scott Pilgrim. We're going to be covering both the movie from 2010, Scott Pilgrim versus the world and the new anime style show on Netflix. Scott Pilgrim takes off. Was the movie 2010 or 2012? 2010. I wrote 2012. Okay. I was like, I don't know. Disregard the notes. (laughs) Disregard the notes. So we'll start off with Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World is a 2010 romantic action comedy film co-written, produced, and directed by Edgar Wright 
based on the graphic novel series Scott Pilgrim by Brian Lee O'Malley. It stars an ensemble cast with Michael Sarah as Scott Pilgrim, a slacker musician who is trying to win a competition to get a record deal while also battling the seven evil exes of his new girlfriend, Ramona Flowers, played by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I love this movie. I watched yeah. this a couple years after it came out. I was in high school and a friend of mine was like, this is my favorite movie. You have to watch it. So mm-hmm. they brought me their DVD and I watched it and I was like, oh my God. How good is it? So good. And the cast love them. Now they're like they're, the biggest A-listers yeah. in the world nearly. Well, Which is why when we get to Takes Off, the fact they got them all back for that anime. Just crazy. crazy. Absolutely crazy. Can I ask you a question? Okay. What particular parts stand out to you to make you say, this is one of my favorite films? I think, without getting into specific bits to start with, I think it's the tone of this film, which yep. is just perfect. Anything truly with um, Aubrey Plaza, her yeah. scenes, <laughs> hilarious. How are you doing that with your mouth? How never you mind, do- other, I'm never, doing this never, with my mouth. I'm doing this with my mouth. Um, obviously, I mean, these ones everyone knows. The tea scene. Yes. Bread makes you fat. Yes, which they brought in. Which they, thank God. they brought in when he jumps out the window. That's fantastic. And I don't know, it's just got this like great through yeah. line, which I'd forgotten. And these are the bits that I remembered. Yeah. And then I went back and rewatched this like the last two days. And I was like, oh, that's oh, right. Yeah, that's right. I love this. For me, it's it's Edgar Wright's particular directing. Yeah. Because if you've seen any of his other stuff like um, Hot Fuzz or- um, The Cornetto trilogy, I think. Is yeah, it? Hot yeah. Fuzz, Scott, what's the other one? Um, Shaun of, of the Dead, Dead and, and then, the End of the World, it's, which is the bar one. Yeah. Um, any of those, he does like, you know- quick cut shots of like action and then but like also mundane things happening in yes. quick cuts as well like I think it does this really thing when like Scott Pilgrim was about to race out of the house but it like quickly cuts him like tying his shoes yeah. up or something so oh you know what bitch I also love bits I also loved what? when when Kim will shoot herself and then hits the symbols. oh yeah yeah exactly and it yeah. has that little so that's another thing I particularly love about this is obviously it's based on a graphic novel Scott Pilgrim by Brian Lee O'Malley um, it really incorporates the comic book elements into the film. So it, it constantly has like things playing over the top of like like little like scenes or say like yeah. exterior Scott's house or something. And that scene in particular when it's going through Scott and um, what's his housemate's name? Wallace. Wallace. And it goes through what is owned by each of yes. them as it pans across. And it's like Scott Pilgrim's poster and it's like Wallace's everything like, else yeah, pops bed up. And- yeah. Um, yeah. The – the use of pop cultural references throughout the movie as well is huge. Um, there's a one particular scene where I think he's waiting at the door for um, the package. The package, or it's either before that, and he's waiting for knives. Chow, which is his 17 year old girl, high school girlfriend. Which everyone's like, Scott, you have to break up with her. One, yeah. she's 17, but yeah. also you're she's, in love with Ramona. Yeah, and also she's she's too good for you. Yeah, <laughs> like, that, yeah. that's my favorite bit. Yeah. She's too good for you all Run. the time. Right. <laughs> um, he opens the door and it's got the Seinfeld sound as he opens the door. Yes. And it's just little little bits like that are chucked in from pop cultural references. It's got, yeah, like when he's fighting the first evil ex, which is um, Matthew Patel, which he constantly says his name, which I'm glad they brought that up in the anime series as well. Yeah. It's got that like pow, you know, when they're yeah, punching yeah, yeah. that. It's, it's like an actual comic book scene played out, but – in a visual of a live action film, perfectly done. There's so many elements stylistically that work in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Like mm. even to the point, and I'd forgotten this bit, but there's moments when I think he's detailing his relationship with, with Ramona as it's happening mm. and it, it cuts to what looks like a graphic novel. Yeah. So there's very like there's a lot of layers in the style That's actually that works. Literally what it looks like in the graphic novel. Yeah. It's exactly like That's it, which really I'm glad cool. they drew that in because i've never read them but i know you've i've got, the got f- them there's six books i've got the first two and i need to get the other ones to have the collection but it's exactly look like it's the exact same story really of this one versus the world um but when they showcase the drawings it's exactly like that as the comic book i think it's just it's it's so smart yeah but it's also so hilarious yeah. and i think to tell a story as well and like because we're 2023 looking at this and mm-hmm. obviously the the animated thing does it as well yeah, it's just funny how he's dating a 17-year-old, but it's so innocent from his perspective. Like, they haven't done anything. They haven't even held hands. Yeah, I don't think we've um, held hands. <laughs> and it's just, like, it's done in a way that's okay, which is wild, because that, that story in, yeah, usually never done was, in a way that it's okay. If you just heard that in a news article, yeah. you'd be like, 
oh, he's a predator. But yeah. like you're on basically his he's, jo- Scott Pilgrim's journey and you know it's not. You know it's innocent. Basically, he's a 15-year-old in Stuck his mind. Stuck in a 23-year-old's. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go and watch it. Like, don't be afraid of that if you've never seen it before. Oh, when we mentioned yeah, it. it's not. It's not an element of the movie. You Do know, not be worried about. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's just done so well. Yeah, so well. I love the part. And I just remembered literally as we we're talking, and he's talking about his haircut, yes. and it's like it was. It was. It was okay. No, it wasn't. It was bad. Yes, it was. And it's like showcases what his haircut was. Uh, Envy Adams, played by Brie Larson. Oh my goodness, I'd forgotten how good that yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, everyone kind of like gives Brie Larson a hard time, but like when you see things when she portrays like this particular role, doesn't like, even sound like Brie no, Larson. No, she sings that too. Yeah, um, when she plays the lead singer of um, Clash at Demon Head, Envy Adams, she actually sings that on stage, and you're like, props to her. This is phenomenal, and it's a catchy song. Yeah, there's <laughs> I've a played lot. it outside of the movie. I think that has been seen on TikTok, even the scene where um, Knives, who's Scott's, Scott's, Knives is trying to get Scott back. Yeah. So she dates young Neil um, and she wants to dye her hair because Ramona changes her hair like every That's day. That's right. Yeah. Um, and there's this whole scene where it's like, oh, it burns. And then she like, you know, rinses it out, whatever. Like that's been s- sampled on TikTok. Um, but if you've never seen Scott Pilgrim, you've seen the TikToks, just go watch Scott Pilgrim. Watch Scott Pilgrim. It's very memeable. And uh, it's very, it's just got a cult classic following for so many reasons. It's it's so well done. Yeah, I'd forgotten how good it was until I rewatched it. Yeah. Well, I hadn't forgotten, but the, the bits that aren't stand out and then you remember, watch it and you're like, oh, wait, no, this is all fantastic. So I'll talk about the particular ending. So spoilers in case you haven't seen it, but it's been out for 13 years, so I'm going to talk about it. You know the part where right at the end he's, he's walking out with his nega Scott and they've just become friends? And it's like, oh, yeah, we're getting coffee next yes, week. Yeah, yeah. And then he walks off and meets Ramona. Mm-hmm. The director, Edgar Wright, shot two versions of this ending and um, he was torn on which ending to choose because obviously he chooses Ramona that Scott Pilgrim walks off with into the sunset, basically. Um, they did shoot one where he actually chooses Knives Chow at the end, but he also just they, – they sat on that for a while before deciding on Ramona, and he's like, as much as like Knives Chow is this innocent character and it would be nice to see Scott Pilgrim with her at the end, the whole purpose and ju- like point of this journey was – to get with Ramona because he, he, once he met her, he knew that she was the one. Unfortunately to Knives, she was the one worth fighting for. Yeah. So he did end up picking Ramona at the end. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool to know that kind of like fun fact. I think it's in the extra features and of the I, DVD. I think that ending is really good and, and like it's it's good that they, they went with that because you've got him growing up a little bit and realising yeah. Ramona, the girl that's also my age, is probably a better match for yeah. me. Um but also Knives as this innocent 17-year-old kind of realises like, I can do better than Scott Pilgrim. Exactly right, yeah. A guy that didn't even choose me but chose her because he, she says to him, go go and choose her. Like, what are you doing? Don't throw her away. Yeah. You just fought all of these exes and all this insane stuff. Exactly. To She's then also matured a little bit. Not do anything, which I think is important for her character yeah. as this young fangirl essentially to have mm. some agency sort of at the end. Yeah. And I think it's a good way to like – End, end out that her that character film. line, yeah, yeah, and you've got like Ramona as well, who I think stops feeling as sorry for herself, which is by what the she end. is because of the ex, because she's like, oh, I just have all these exes, and yeah. like she thinks she's unobtainable because of the baggage that she yeah. carries, which is the in the form of the seven seven exes. evil exes, yeah. Scott goes on a massive journey throughout this film, which really culminates in the fight versus Gideon. Like he obviously, if you've seen it, it plays out like a video game. He dies on the first round but then he comes back because he's got a one-up from the previous fight and as he's coming back he realizes what he's actually fighting for it's a part of it's obviously Ramona but a part of it's for himself and he realizes that he uh, he during the fight he obviously apologizes to the two girls and then he's actually fighting Gideon for himself to have some I guess it's self-respect in the same regard it was it was a good scene to end out the final fight and yeah it was Wild ride. I also forgot how funny it is when um, Scott's versing um, oh, what's her name, Roxy. Oh yeah, and it's like I guess I was boom. a little bit by curious. She's like, well, I'm a little bit by furious, and then she's like, hasbian and stuff. One like, it's very good, which is weird because it yeah. sort of maybe couldn't exist now because by curious isn't so much a thing now, but in the two no. thousands, it's twenty ten. That was huge. Yeah. Um, as a a thing. I love the part where he says. It, 
seven evil ex-girlfriends and Ramona's like seven evil exes. Exes. Keeps Keeps saying saying it it until it comes up that he has to verse um, Mae Whitman's character. The L word. Lesbian. No, Scott. Love. Love. Lesbian. No, lesbian. The other other L word. Lesbians. He puts the (laughs) S up. Yeah, it's really good. And then. Mae Whitman is one of my favourite. So good. Actresses. She's under you. She was in Arrested Development as well. She's in so many things. That's how Michael Sarah knows her. That's why she was right. used as well because um, she plays Anne, the pl- the plain girlfriend of Michael Sarah's character in Arrested Development. Um, yeah, she's fantastic. She does a bunch of like um, voice actor work for a bunch of different things. I think she does like Tinkerbell and a bunch of other stuff as well. Hugely used in the voice acting world. Has been in stuff since I think she was a little girl. Yeah, she was in um, Air Force One, I think it was, or something like that. She was like five years old. And so she's been yeah. in a bunch. Of, she's been around in the industry for a while. She was in, uh, she's the main lead actress in The Duff. Yes, I've not. Have you not seen The Duff? No. Designated Ugly Fat Friend, it stands for. And no. it's about her, but she's. I don't think I ever watched it. I think that was one of those ones that was yeah. a weird age because I was a teenager and unless you were. It was about 2016. Getting or a 15, yeah. and a legal copy or B. Basically, getting your parents to go to a video store and rent it, which was sometimes awkward. Yeah, you just weren't going to see stuff. I would recommend seeing the Duff. It's such a light-hearted comedy, feel-good film, and she's great in it. She needs to be used more. So, oh yeah, so this is twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. So I just finished school, but I guess just just didn't it. catch it. But it's on stand, so I might watch it this week. Definitely do. Um, should we talk about some of the other evil exes? Like you've got. Um, I think Chris, Chris Evans as yeah. number two as um, Lucas Lee. Lucas Lee. He's the famous um, skateboarder slash actor. And Chris Evans in this is so good. He just plays it up so hammed. Like, I feel like he became he like, was becoming not famous. underrated, but like underused when he was doing his Captain America thing because he became so synonymous as, as Captain, Captain America, America yeah. which isn't really – it's a pretty bland character. Um, it's very one tone. One tone, but then you see him in all this stuff, and you're like, "Oh, he's hilarious! Like he has he's the capability so to do so this. much." Very funny. <laughs> he's like, "I didn't even learn my own lines." <laughs> <laughs> like it's just he's a typical actor, kind of like up himself, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one, uh, Brendan Routh, who plays the vegan, yes. the superhero vegan. I've got character. vegan powers because vegans are just better than everyone else. <laughs> and he can like make things float and stuff. It's uh, it's wild. You don't really learn about the twins no. as the five, I think it's five and six. Because the they're towards the end. They're just, even in the um, anime series, they don't really have a real strong role. So they're just like the extras. It's mainly about, it's mainly about Brandon Routh, uh, Chris Evans, and uh, Mae Whitman are the main, main three the main villains. Ones. And Gideon, obviously, who's played by Jason Schwartzman, who's yeah. great, great in everything he does as Gideon well. Gideon Graves, isn't it? Gideon Graves and then Gordon Goose in Gordon the Goose. anime. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get, and then we'll also Kieran Culkin's in it as yeah, um, Wallace, the gay wall, the gay, gay roommate. Gay roommate, yeah. So funny, like some of those scenes in the film where it's like, because Scott doesn't have a bed because he- yeah, They share a bed they share a bed. one room. But then there's that scene where there's like, is it two other guys or three other- It's maybe two he, other guys. Three is Scott and they're all in this like mattress on the floor and they just sort of wake up. But one of them's- uh, Anna Kendrick's boyfriend, yes. which is Scott's sister. Scott's sister. And she's the gossip queen who I always talks to- I love her in um, it. Yeah. She's fantastic. She talks to Wallace all the time. She, she's like, they're like, how did you know that already, Wallace? And on the phone to Anna Kendrick. Yeah. Because uh, that was before she was pretty big too. None of them were big, which is crazy. Yeah, it's massive they're cast. They're huge. Um, yeah. What's uh, her boyfriend's name? I can't remember. Also Scott, wasn't it? Other Scott? I feel like it, it was. Might have I think been. it might be Scott. It was other Scott. Because I'd forgotten that he hooks up with Wallace in yeah. the film. And I was watching the show and I was like, did this happen? I couldn't remember. And then yeah. I watched it. I was like, oh, wait, that's oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what happens. Yeah. It's all this comedy stuff that like is told with the perfect tone because told by other people that might come across like not funny and actually like, hey, this is kind of tragic that mm-hmm. this girl's boyfriend's also hooking, up, hooking with, up with someone else. But when you watch it in this, the satire is, is so good. just perfect. She just, I think she just looks and goes, oh, oh, God, again? Like, like again? Like she knows. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just so, so well So many done. levels. This was actually a box office flop. Not surprising. And I mean that in I'm the sense really that so many amazing films. That, yeah, I know. Most That's the thing. They get the status later, unfortunately, like the cult status later. So this had a budget of around sixty to eighty-five million, roughly in between there. At the box office, it only made forty-nine point three million dollars, which is just wild because it is such a great film. And so many people have seen it since and gone, "Yeah, that was fantastic." It's like, ah, if only it had a second chance at the movies, right? I'm really glad the friend of mine in school 
was into it yeah. and was like, you have to see this and then lent me the DVD. Yeah. Because otherwise I would, just, would I never didn't have see seen it. it. I didn't, unfortunately, didn't see it at the cinema either. Yeah. I, should, call, I called it later. They should do a, um, you know, when they like re-release stuff in yeah, theatres. Yeah, I would, if it was at cinemas again, like as a one night run, uh, or be, there, be, be there. there with bells on. Yeah. Okay. I've never it's heard a that Christmas one. thing. Come on. We're doing that next week. I've never heard that <laughs> saying in my life. I don't know. <laughs> Is <on>. it fun? <laughs> my mom says it. <laughs> I think uh, that about wraps up Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah, now we're getting into the animated series. Yeah. If you've not seen it, turn off now, go watch it, come back. Yeah, because we know we, we realise it's only been out for a week, but we watched it as soon as it came out, knowing for well we're doing this episode. So we watched the whole thing. Pretty much, it had, I think, been out like maybe a night, and I said to Shannon, hey, what if we did Scott Pilgrim, I want to watch it, and you went, I've already seen two episodes. Mm, yeah, we're like, okay, well, that, it's decided. Um, okay, do you want to pop through Takes Off? Yeah, so we've got Scott Pilgrim Takes Off starring, again, Michael Sarah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Ellen Wong, Kieran Culkin, Alison Pill, Mark Webber, Johnny Simmons, Jason Schwartzman, Anna Kendrick, Aubrey Plaza, Chris Evans, Braden Routh, Mae Whitman, Brie Larson. It's kind of like I love the first episode of this because it pays homage mm-hmm. to the film heaps. So it brings yeah. you into it immediately. And there's so many moments you're like, ah! Yeah, you're like, like oh, they're doing it. it again, doing it again. Also, yeah. Can we talk about the theme music? Because that pumps I me up every it. time it comes on. Yes, agreed. I want to listen to that outside of. Yeah. Um, uh, it's like the 8-bit track and then it goes into more of like a Rocky type thing. Well, But it's so look, good. I think we should preface this with the first one. The movie itself is based on the comic book and it has really strong comic book elements yep. of the way it's filmed, shot, shown on screen. This animation uh, series is takes strong like theme thematics from anime, mm-hmm. Japanese anime. Yeah. Cause the whole way through. The original was a graphic novel and then they've got a uh, Japanese artists to do a mm-hmm. lot of the art and animation for takes off. So it's very much in the anime style, but not as a like white person ripping it off. It's like they actually got yeah. Japanese. Japan- it's a Japanese studio that made studio it. To do it. So sure it's, it made it. yeah, it's, they did it very well. Yeah, so um, when you were talking about the yeah. the opening theme song, it's called Bloom, performed by Japanese rock band Nikrai Tolki. It's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. So it, everything has like a Japanese kind of element to it, just with the story of Scott Pilgrim. And as you were saying, we were talking about the first episode called Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life. Um, it subverts expectations because you watch the first episode – you're like, yep, this is a rehash of the movie. I'm movie. loving it. Yep. It's all the beats from the movie. I'm seeing it again in a f- different, like a Japanese anime it's version. really cool and we're really into it. And then-, then a particular thing happens at the end of the first episode when he's versing the first evil ex. And it changes the trajectory. Of the entire series. It's what would happen if Scott loses against the first evil ex, yep. essentially. And that shook me a little bit because I actually didn't know that was going to happen. No, I was like, oh. I was okay. like, hang on a minute. Like, because the whole scene wraps up with um, him versing Matthew Patel. Um, and it just shows him losing. Like, it, it, the coins drop down and he's not there and everyone's like, oh, and Scott lost. while you're watching it, you're not sure if he's going to pop back up. And you're like, this is weird. This is a Scott Pilgrim it's show. Scott Pilgrim, but yeah. suddenly it's sort of Ramona Flowers as it's, more of the- Well, it is her show. Yeah, more as the lead of yeah. this multi-protagonist show where she's like- I need to find Scott Pilgrim, which is kind of funny because um, everyone else is always in his life, but they're less worried. Um, yeah, and she's no like, I need to find this guy who something about After the, one day. Is it because of the subspace? She has a subspace highway. Which that I'd she forgotten can, was in the film, honestly. It's in the film only like one scene. Yeah. Go, she's like, oh, I think there's a door over here. And there's that scene where she's yeah. like dragging him through the air. And then air. she's like, oh, you've got a subspace highway in your brain, which I used to get. It's weird. I, yeah, it doesn't look, make sense. It's it's very, That's very comic book-esque. No. But she can- Whatever, it's a weird transcend through places yep. using doorways on her skate, skate skates. Yep, yeah, which is great. But um, she goes into the subspace. At, I think in the start of the second episode, and she hears him. Yeah, she hears him. So she's like, "He can't be dead. He's not dead. I've got to find out where he is. Like, who would do this? She's trying to work out the motive, who it is, what's going on, basically. So the rest of the TV show is essentially her. Crossing off the evil exes each episode and trying to work out who would have done it. Mm-hmm. So who done it? Um, and during these episodes, she's actually finding closure with each of the evil exes would have been. Yeah, and I think it's actually a really good journey for her to go on, for her to accept like 
closure on, on mm-hmm. this. And maybe I like, wasn't always the best in exactly. this because I was a kid or yeah. whatever. And I love that they start each of her days in this with the, her bleaching yeah. and then re-dyeing her it's hair. the same scene but with different hair. Because obviously wiping the, in the, the fog. In the film she goes, oh, yeah, I change my hair every week, like whatever. Yeah. And you just see her in each scene with different hair kind yeah, of thing. You don't see the actual but hair But because it's the animation and then they sort of show her like her morning routine, I suppose. Yeah. It's like, yeah what colour her hair is going to be. I like that. I like The start of every episode was her changing her hair colour and then it would pop in with what the name of the episode was called. As if it was like a one or two player game and you'd have the thing down Yeah, it brings you into it. I really enjoyed it. I think it's fantastic that they managed to get everyone back for this. Yeah, the entire cast from the movie is back in the anime series. What they paid them, I don't know, but it's Netflix's (laughs) money, so... (laughs) For Netflix. I think it's drawn enough people in. It's it's doing well, I think. Absolutely, but... Yeah. It just... It shows that the intention for this was so good and well-planned and thought out that everyone said, yes, we're coming back to this because the right people are making it yeah. rather than just another, like, cash grab. Yeah. It had Brian O'Malley as a producer and it also had Edgar Wright mm-hmm. as a producer as well. So the director from the film and the writer of the graphic novel were involved. So they obviously have love for it as well and they gave it to the right people, the right hands to make this series. And I think if you were a fan of the graphic novel, I can't speak to it, but I think there's enough in it mm. that is for you guys as well. Yeah. And because obviously they, they reference quite a few of the graphic novels, not just like one of them. Mm. Um, I th- so I think there's enough for the fans of the graphic novel and enough for fans of the original, the original film yeah. and also if it's you've never seen it well. yeah. or heard of Scott Pilgrim, you can watch this as like a new generation. And I think that's really special because not a lot does it in the way that it's on par with the movie. Obviously, I personally love the movie more because that's where I came into that's this. That's the same with and me. And it's a tighter story. It's a, yeah, it's a two-hour movie, whereas this is an eight-episode, half-hour thing. If I'd never seen it, maybe I wouldn't love it because I'm not massive on anime. animated stuff. Like, that's just me personally. But if I were... I think it's up my alley. I think it's phenomenal. I think it does suffer from a lot of limited series where it has a couple of filler arcs in the middle just to kind of like gap the important part, gap important part. Yeah. But that's not necessarily to say that I didn't enjoy it. Like it's still it's still got the Scott Pilgrim vibe. It's still got all the characters you know and love, um, just in a different setting. In I love the part, and I'll just bring this up really quickly before we kind of move on. Did you pick up on the fact that, like, how quickly Knives was learning, like, each instrument? It's like, yeah. when did you start learning that? More or less than four hours ago. Yeah. That was great. And she kind of includes herself in the band once, like, uh, uh, Scott, like, disappears. disappears. Um, so they have a purpose for every character that would have been kind of forgotten if, you know, this did actually occur. My biggest gripe, and it's not even a gripe, it's just I wanted more. Um, I didn't think there was enough Anna Kendrick or Aubrey Plaza as Julie Powers. I and, agree. Um, Anna Kendrick wasn't in it. What too is much. it? Um, Which character? Anna Kendrick's. She's the sister. She's Scott's sister. What's her name? It's like Stacy. Stacy. Yeah, Stacy. Stacy. What's Scott Pilgrim? I know. Like, I don't Pilgrim. Stacy Pilgrim. Pilgrim. Yeah. I was like, what's Pilgrim's last name? <laughs> I know, like, it's so ooh. It's obvious. It's <laughs> yeah. so obvious that you're like, hang on. Yeah, Stacy yeah, Pilgrim. I think she's just Stacy and then yeah. she's Julie Powers. But I didn't think there was enough of those two in particular i, I did like that um julie goes off on a little I've, oh the, little i was only gone for 90 minutes yeah <laughs> that's so good yeah. but then like she ends up with gideon graves which turns out to be gordon goose, gordon goose. which is in the same year as her at high school cool. yeah he was a nerd but then he went off to become this evil villain i like that they sort of gave her a a, a journey in this a little bit yeah i think that's because in initially, obviously, when she made the movie, she wasn't big. She was a barely. She, she, she got Scott Pilgrim the same week she got Parks. Exactly. That's how so little she was. She was little. She had a very bit part in the movie, but obviously, Aubrey Plaza now is becoming a movie star and is in huge things. Obviously, when they signed her back on, it's like, all right, we need to develop and write Julie Powers into a bigger arc. So they've included her to become like a side villain of Gideon Graves. You know really. what's hilarious is in the film. Um, I had nearly the exact glasses and almost the same hairstyle <laughs> at the same Julie time. Powers? Yeah, because that's what was yeah, like an I'm, option. I'm seeing it now. I yeah. if I ever find a photo, please do. I'm a not comparison. putting it online. 
Well, send it to me I'll at send least. It to you. I won't do anything. Um, I just want to see it. My tween self does not need to exist on the internet. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I love you, but not that much. Not as a comparison. If anything, I am the closest comparison in this is Young Neil. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've seen a picture of Young Neil or the characterization of Young Neil from the movie, no, I wouldn't say the the anime series is. Uh, that's what I was like in my twenties. With a mop and no the mop hair, no beard, constantly playing video games and. Just Space Cadet. <laughs> I love – I'll bring this up as well really quickly. I love in the anime series, obviously Young Neil writes the screenplay, uh, the screenplay for Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life, which is basically the movie of Scott Pilgrim versus the world because if he won versus – yeah. Yep. Matthew Patel. Um, and it goes into the future part and it's the memoirs of old Young Neil. And I'm like, what? Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> I was like, oh, just little bits like that. It's, it's very funny. Um, but – Given that, I do recommend if you're a fan of Scott Pilgrim versus the world or of any of these particular actors at all, give yourself time. Watch this. It's very easy to get through. It's eight episodes, half an hour, four hours long. You can punch this out. Very good. Check it out. Genuinely worth it. Holds up as a like separate separate piece of media piece, yeah. from from you're not gonna just get a rehash of the movie, so yeah, be prepared for that and enjoy it. Dissect it yourself. Let us know what you think because that about wraps up our episode of um, Scott, Scott Pilgrim. Pilgrim. So, as always, thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please give it a follow. And if you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and threads at BingeList or email us at BingeList and BoxOffSits at gmail.com. We don't have a whole lot planned for the rest of the year. We're going to wrap up no, pretty shortly. got um, two weeks left yeah. of the year. That will be the end of our first season. And if you want to let us know what you want to see next season, please write in. We're going to yeah. try and still be active and let you know what we've been watching and stuff yeah, like that we'll online. do socials, but we won't be doing episodes till sometime in the new year and give us give us what you want to see because then it gives us time to really watch them yeah we need some time to catch up on content so we can actually do some really banger episodes when we get back and as always thank you so much thank you have a good week bye